again. Initiating sequence. Welcome. We're going to go back to logic this episode. Logic is defined as the reasoning conducted or assessed according to strict principles of validity. In other words, if you're not using logic, then you're not making any sense at all. <laughs> this is because everything that you say, everything that you hear, and everything that you do usually has a logical basis on which it stands. The very meaning behind every single word that you hear, every single thought that you have, is undergirded by that same logical laws. And there are only three laws that you need to know and you need to incorporate into your thinking if you haven't already. They are so intuitive that you're doing it all the time without even thinking about it. And if you break these laws, your thinking is going to be distorted and any arguments you come up with will just fall apart. So let's begin with the very first law of logic. One, the law of identity. Basically, this is if the statement speaks to truth, then it is true. The mathematical breakdown of this is A equals A, which can best be demonstrated with an example. And that example would be, if you include my thumbs, I have 10 fingers. Now, obviously, this is very basic, but if you don't have the foundation set up, then everything else is going to fall. Two. The law of non-contradiction. This is mathematically represented as A equals non-A. This means contradictory propositions cannot be both true in the same sense at the same time. Again, wordy definitions best illustrated with an example. If I have 10 fingers, I do not have 20 fingers. And it all comes down to being true in the same sense at the same time. So in this illustration, I'm talking about myself as an individual on my body having only 10 fingers. Whereas if I owned a monkey or for some bizarre reason I had a cadaver of a hand, then I would potentially have more than 10 fingers, but we're talking about the same sense. This is what stops it breaking down. And it's also why when you argue with a young child, it's really difficult because they just push these senses and times as any parent listening will know and again we also must take into account that it must be the same time so in the illustration of having 10 fingers let's suppose that i had four arms and each of these arms had five fingers on each hand let's say i had two of those arms removed at birth and i'm saying right now that i've got 10 fingers in my present state. As you can see, this also gets around those problems where you can appeal to different periods and times when things were different. And the last illustration for the law of non-contradiction would be something like, if it's raining outside, it means it's not, not raining. You see what I did there? By putting a double negative in there, it infers a positive. That's the law of non-contradiction. Three. And finally, we have the law of excluded middle. Mathematically, this is represented as either A or non-A. Or in other words, the statement is either true or not true. Either I have 10 fingers or I don't. Either it's raining outside or it's not. 
There are some that fault this final law of logic as being a tautology. A tautology is essentially saying the same thing over using different words. So kind of saying that it's circular. And it is in a sense because you could get any statement or proposition and then argue that either this proposition or its negation is true. The rub is that the truth value behind the statement doesn't really matter, which means that if I say I have 10 fingers or I have 20 fingers, meaning only one of these statements is true, although valid, we can't necessarily arrive at the truth statement just by using this mode alone. My stance on this would be similar to the way I approach apologetics. Although arguments for theism and arguing that there is a God all support Christianity, it doesn't necessarily get you over the line yet. And that's where we then make appeals toward Christianity using Christianity-specific evidences. Just like this, we arrive at truth not just by taking one of these laws of logic and running with it, we use all three of them in order to evaluate statements. But what is circular is arguing against the law of logic. Because in order to do that, you would have to use logic to disprove logic. For example, if somebody says the law of logic is just subjective, as in it's not true, it depends on the individual, automatically they have contradicted themselves. They have appealed to the law of identity in preparing a truth proposition in that they think that logic depends on the subject. The law of non-contradiction, A equals non-A, in that the laws of logic are subjective, not objective. And finally, the law of excluded middle, again, saying that the laws of logic are subjective, not objective. So you can see this is why they call it the laws of logic, not the theory of logic, because they are intangible, factual laws which underpin how reality works. So we appeal to logic in making arguments for God. We appeal to logic in understanding reality. And finally, we appeal to logic in understanding God. Let's run a really quick thought experiment. So you know the laws of logic. Do the laws of logic exist even if there is no life on earth? Let's say that the whole earth is void of life. Maybe there's rocks and sand and inanimate objects. Do the laws of logic still exist? Or as Frank Turek puts it, if you had a rock on the earth and you had no human life, would it be true that there is a rock on the earth, even though there's no human to say it? Well, the fact is, obviously, it would be true because there is a rock on the earth in that example. So that uses the very law of logic. And if you've listened to this episode, you can break down and see which laws of logic it appeals to. So given this thought experiment and others, it would seem that logic exists independent of human minds. So where did it come from? Who made logic? 
rather than saying God was compelled to use logic and was governed by the laws of logic, I would say that much like mathematics, much like goodness, and even logic, all of these things are derivatives of God's very nature. The same response we give to the Euthyphro dilemma. A version of it would be God loves X because it is good, or X is good because God loves it. Now this is a false dilemma, simply because they are not the only two options. The third option is that goodness is a derivative of God's very nature, and logic, reason, and mathematics appears to be the same. So quite literally, we can thank God for logic and reason. This one was a short episode. I want you to internalize these concepts if you haven't already, and just really try to look for examples in everyday life where these rules stand up. And once you're able to articulate it for yourself and do it routinely, then you can pick where people are making mistakes. Being foundational laws of logic in society, most people generally keep to these laws. And it's easier to find fallacies when people start to appeal to rhetoric and other avenues, which we'll cover in further podcasts. So if you're having a hard time with any of this, just speak to a three-year-old and see how they reason things out. And you'll start to understand that the laws of logic are the things that keep us from having baby-like conversations to having solid academic conversations to arrive at real truth. I hope this has been a useful episode and I'll see you on the next one.